0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Martech Masters. I'm here with Patrick Campbell. He's the founder and CEO at ProfitWell. Thank you, Patrick, for joining us today. How are you doing? Doing well, man. Thanks for
1: having me. Just uh, another day here, and I'm just admiring all these typewriters behind you.
0: Oh, man, it was so great to find someone else at Martech Masters that has a typewriter. That's amazing. I know a lot of people love them, but not only people do the uh do the thing of actually acquiring one and taking care of one. Uh, thank you for being part of this community of awesomeness, okay? There you go, we're gonna have to start a
1: sub stack now for typewriter people.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and ProfitWell, what you guys do and who, who you help?
1: Uh, where do you start, right? Um, so I, yeah, so my, my background's in econometrics and math. I'm a farm boy from Wisconsin um, originally and then was in um, Little, little trip to D.C. I worked in U.S. intelligence for a little while, wow. and then I worked at Google in Boston, um, and that's what brought me to Boston for the past 10 years, and then just recently moved to Salt Lake City to open up our West Coast office. I say that in quotes uh, <laughs> because we're, um, you know, we're not quite on the coast, but it was it was, it was a Western United States office, we'll say. Uh, but yeah, ProfitWell started about eight years ago. We're a bootstrap company um, headquartered in Boston, now Salt Lake, as well as Argentina. And uh, we focus on revenue operations inside the subscription world. So we have a couple of different products, uh, one of which is Profile Metrics. It's a free subscription financial metrics product. Uh, so you plug it into your billing system, um, you know, Zora, Stripe, whatever you're using, and we give you access to all of your, your financial metrics you need. And then we also clean the data and allow you to put it wherever you want. So HubSpot, Salesforce, et cetera, um, and that's all free. So And then we make money. We have a couple of different products that help with pricing. Um, as well as retention and this whole kind of the the automation side of revenue operations, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's been a fun ride so far. We have um, some of the fun stats are we have about twenty percent of the entire subscription market uh, using the metrics product,
0: which wow. which which is great. That's amazing. That's huge. A- again, subscription. Yeah, we're pretty is pumped not, about it. Yeah, and subscription is not just SaaS. You have many other types of subscription businesses. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about the other types of businesses that you work with?
1: Yeah, we have everyone from uh, Subscription SaaS, obviously. That's kind of where we started, is where we cut our teeth, as they say. Uh, but now we have um, you know, about half of our customers are other things like subscription e-commerce. Uh, so these are box of the month clubs or their membership clubs um, in e-commerce. We also have a lot of subscription media, so like newspapers, uh, most of them aren't physical newspapers anymore but uh yeah they're still online um subscription non-profits and then there's some there's some crazy stuff out there that kind of falls you know in between um just in terms of we have someone who you can subscribe uh to to him and not in like a weird way um it is a little weird but not in the way you might think um it's just uh you you subscribe to basically content about this person's life um and it's it's kind of like a um almost like he's a, he's a public company, but as a person, which is really interesting. So wow. yeah, a lot of stuff, but anything subscription, um, we, we have the data and we, we work to understand it um, basically on.
0: That's awesome, and, and, and since we're talking about data and understanding that data, what are some of the most important metrics that you help organizations that run their business as a subscription business uh, so they can make data-driven decisions. What, what are the metrics, the most important ones? Of course, you're connecting with their CRM, with their booking, with, with their payment system, with everything. But what are, what are the top metrics uh, that you help them with?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's, it's, so I can answer like, what metrics do we show in the product? But the, the metrics that help them, that's a whole different story, right? Because I think that the, the thing with metrics and the thing with data is, it's only useful if you use it right? And I think that depending on your stage and depending on your circumstance and a whole host of factors, the channels you use, all these other things, um, the metrics that are really important, you will change. Now, ultimately, growth is is the answer for most companies, right? So, you know, we show, um, you know, very much so all of the main, like, growth metrics. Um, but in addition to that, there's, there's different teams inside companies that really need the cohort data and the retention data because they're focused on that retention. And there's other teams that are the pricing or monetization teams or people, um, more often than not, who are focused on ARPU or ACV and these types of things. So I think, uh, if if you ask me to boil it down to like what I think is the, the God metric, as they say, I think besides growth, it it ultimately is lifetime value, which kind of encompasses a bunch of different things. Um, you know, not only the the monetization power that you have, but also the actual retention of those customers, um, you know, in terms of the subscription space.
0: That's that's awesome. So, when when you're gathering data one one of the things that we've been seeing over and over again is yes you can focus on on churn but before churn there's other things that you can look at uh to actually analyze and understand what kind of people or what companies might churn so uh do you help them understand that the data before they get to churn or before they get to a sell because I, i i know a lot of businesses focus too much on on the on the end goal the churn and the sale but they don't focus on the data they need to be looking at beforehand so you can actually make make some change before it gets to churn right like customer service mps and things like that 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 will show you that the customer is not happy or they're looking for something else
1: yeah like churn is definitely a lagging indicator right? right and and you know when you look at the funnel or the flywheel now, mm-hmm. um, you know, even even uh, prior to purchase. Purchase is a indicator of a lot of data. And so what we do is, is we actually have usage data um, that kind of pipes in. Um, and also, you can port in your NPS data and things like that, depending on the tools you're using. But I think what we've done, which I think is really cool, and this is going to sound a little bit like an advertisement, but I think it's go for it. make sure it's a lesson <laughs> as well. Um, we actually, given the data that we're sitting on, we've been able to mine all this data and aggregate to figure out and, and get actually like what I like to call reputable health scores. Mm-hmm. Um, because those health scores are based on like very little input from you, which I know sounds a little counterintuitive. But when we're looking all of this data, what we found is that most health scores that people implement inside their business, they actually don't know what signals will actually result in churn. And so they're saying like, well, if they use this feature that I'm going to give them extra points. And if they use this feature, but in reality, those, those features or those milestones might not be the real thing. And so we've been able to kind of figure out in studying all this data, um, that based on your ARPU, based on these, based on when they last upgraded, all these different things, all these relationships to, to push into some health scores. And what I would say is maybe, and this is the lesson that's a little less salesy is basically that signal starts actually, um, you know if we work backwards it actually starts with the click on cancellation because there's things you can do between that click on cancellation and an official churn to basically get those folks back. And we notice a lot of folks they, they don't really have good offboarding. Um, they're not collecting why the person's churning. Um, and we, you know, this back to a sales pitch, we have a product that does all this for you. Um, but they're not, you know, they're not collecting this type of data and they're not putting an offer or some sort of depending on what they select, they're not putting something in front of them. And so then from the click, there's, you know, usage is, people think that's the biggest thing, but sometimes your least your least using customers are the highest retained, and mm-hmm. it's not just because they're not using the product, it's also because maybe they, they don't need it at the time, but they still like it, a whole host of things, and then you can go back and back, and really it comes down to probably usage um, a bunch of different signals in how they upgrade or how they, you know, kind of change the price that they're paying. And then ultimately there's a bunch of different things um, that are kind of relational with the segment or the type of customer they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty tough problem, but you know, thankfully we have the data to, to go after it um, and, and, and kind of help our, our users.
0: Of course. And, and one of the things that we were discussing the other day is like every conversation is a, it's a point where the relationship can continue to grow or go sideways right so uh, how do you connect all those dots between the CRM all the information you get in there between your your customer service system that might be integrated with your CRM or might not be integrated with your CRM uh, and and all the different conversations you've got from marketing sales service and support and troubleshooting and like you said offboarding is like that you you don't even think some companies don't even think about this onboarding is so important. But then what happens when someone is not happy? What do you do that is as important to keep them uh, happy and yeah. or, or coming back? So what are the other things that you can do to avoid churn? Because of course, nowadays with, with the crisis that we're going through, uh, customer acquisition is very important, but keeping your customers happy and and and, and avoiding churn is, is the biggest thing that you can, you can do. Of course, there are all those signals that you were talking about and some of the products that you were talking about. What are some other tips or recommendations you have for businesses to avoid churn at the end of the day?
1: Yeah, I'll start with the hardest and then I'll get easier and more tactical because <laughs> that's probably what people want. But the problem with churn and retention is that it's very much like a game of inches um, or centimeters for anyone who's, uh, I guess, outside (laughs) of just the United States at this point. Um, So what's really fascinating about it is if you really think about the value of your product and take a huge step back, there's a bunch of reasons why someone stays. There's a core reason that they're using it. And that core reason probably isn't super different between the teams, but the way that they feel that core reason um, is probably very different um, depending on the product. Now, with that, you have to make sure that they have that buy-in. And having that buy-in gets into even starting in their sales process, um, even starting the marketing process, and and even pre-marketing. Like, what are they thinking about? What are they looking for? What was the sales experience like, even if it's just a touchless sale? what was the the onboarding looking like? Um, do you have the feature they need for this particular segment? And so there's a lot of paper cuts that help avoid the initial aspect of the churn um, that you have to attack, and you have to have a good product team um, or fulfillment team, depending on the company that you're in, um, or the good retention marketing team, depending on you know the product, and maybe you have that even if you also have a product team. Now the other thing to kind of think about in terms of tactics is there are a lot of mechanical pieces of churn that people don't think about. Um, One of those mechanical pieces, and this was our initial retained product, um, are credit card failures and payment failures. Mm -hmm. Um, In B2B and in D2C, which are kind of the two major segments that that we play in, um, it's about 20 to 40% of your churn are from payment failures, if you're a credit card based Mm -hmm. kind of product. Um, And even if you're not, if you're an invoice based product, you still have like a good five, 10% that, um, you know, are problematic in terms of cash flow. But 20 to 40% of your churn, it's the largest single bucket of churn. And most of the time when we see what people are doing with these folks, they're sending the emails that are very like bill collectory. They might not even be sending emails. I mean, these are your customers, right? And most of the time, about 80% of these folks, um, they are not using this as an excuse to churn. Like some people will use this as an excuse, but you should be able to get eight out of 10 of those folks who go delinquent. And most of the time companies are getting maybe three out of 10. Mm. Um, So some really tactical things, just make sure you have an email drip. That's the first thing most people don't have that and make sure it's like marketed, make sure it's not like bill collectory, make sure it's like reminding them of the value. Like remember, these are your customers and the beauty of the subscription model is that the relationship is baked into how you make money. So treat this as a relationship. Um, and there's a bunch of other little tactics you can do, but that's probably the most basic. Um, and, and also use plain text emails. Uh, you know, we've written a lot on this. And I can go for days. So I'm going to yeah, pause there it, to go on to something else.
0: Don't make it too marketing related, but make sure. it human, right? That's the main. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. And there's a bunch of little tactics. Um, some of the other things are term, the term as well as a really good tactic. And what I mean by that is, um, we know unequivocally um, in the world of subscriptions, the, the, the percentages change a little bit, but an annual customer, their retention is is, is typically, or monthlies I should say are about 30% worse in terms of retention than annuals. Um, quarterlies and semi-annuals are in between those two, but basically if you have a longer term contract, it's one purchasing decision um, versus 12 in a particular year. And in addition to that, that purchasing decision is typically Um, a little bit more invested. They want to use the product a little bit more. Um, And they're more willing to purchase more products or more from you over that first year um, than if they're on that monthly monthly track. And so simple emails of going to your customer base once they're there for two months, but maybe not more than nine months, and giving them an offer of one month free or some sort of discount or some sort of offer to sign up for an annual plan, Um, that reduces a lot of churn. Um, and then there's, you know, kind of already alluded to this, but making sure you have good offboarding. Um, there's a lot of people who want to churn for reasons that you can save, and those are the frustrating ones, because they couldn't get a hold of a support person. They had a bad support experience. If they click, hey, had a bad support experience, show them a Calendly link. Hey, like get hooked up, talk to a support person. If they pick, hey, I didn't have time to use the product, give them a month for free if it's a SaaS product, mm-hmm. um, or give them a discount to stick around for the next month, because, you're trying to get them invested in that relationship, and sometimes you mess up your side of the relationship. So you want to give them another chance to uh, to, to see your better parts of you. Uh, but those are some things that that I think you can latch onto. But again it still is a game of centimeters, a game of inches. Like there's no silver bullet. There's no silver bullet in business anywhere, even though we all try to look for it. Um, you know, the most seasoned people realize, no, 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 it's a process, it's compounding, it's all these different things rather than trying to find a quick fix.
0: There, there is no quick fix. And it's all about each and every single conversation, each interaction, each video, each support interaction. Uh, and of course, that that is your whole organization. It's not just marketing or sales or customer service. It's every touch, right? It doesn't matter where they're communicating uh, you with, uh, where they're coming in from. It has to con- it has to feel like a continuous conversation that you have with someone that really knows you, right? It's not 100%. it's not it's not something that could be disconnected. And uh, we keep having these conversations at Martech Masters where Uh, we we see the disconnect between marketing and sales and then service. And you have a different type of bot on different type of relationships. And then all the information is not in one place or the CRM is not compounding all the information. And you have three different databases that don't communicate. All those issues should be fixed first, uh, right? But uh, it all starts with a great product and a great experience. And then you can, like you said, fix every single one of the million pieces of your uh, organizations, so it keeps getting better and better. So let, let's talk a little bit about um, the, the other side of the business, which is, you know, acquisition. So, you know, we talked about retention, which is the most important part, uh, especially these days. But acquisition is still important. How, how is this getting harder and harder? And, and why do you think that's happening for subscription businesses? I think it's
1: happening for all businesses right I think that um, anything having to do with really the internet and I would argue even beyond that I think um, here, here's here's what's kind of happened and we've seen this in the data we've studied this you know pretty considerably where you know over the past you know 20 years and I'll little story time here over the past 20 years we we have gone from a place of hey to even start a website you need a server in a closet that has an entire team just to manage it Mm -hmm. from if you or I wanted to start a brand new company by the end of the day today, we could spin up a server, spin up a website, start driving traffic to that website. Product probably wouldn't be good, but we could at least get started, right? So things got cheaper and cheaper to build and cheaper and cheaper to ship over, you know, essentially a 20 year period. And in addition to that 20, now this is about a 15 year period from about 2002 to 2015 or so. um, So a little bit less is, we all of a sudden got these brand new marketing channels almost every single quarter. So Google AdWords, a penny a click, remarketing, Google Display Network, Yahoo Display Network, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Snapchat, all these different things. But then all of a sudden, 2015, that was the last major marketing channel, and that was Snapchat. And that's not really for everybody. Um, and this is why we're reinventing, you know, things like ABM, which is just really good email, right? Um, not gonna, you know, diminish it, but you know, it's 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 not brand new. It's just a re it's a reinvention, right? And so what's been happening, which is really kind of fascinating is if you were building a company from 2000 to to 2015, with the exception of 2008 and 2001 with, you know, a couple of downstairs, like it was, it was pretty good. It was amazing. But because of this situation, all of a sudden you have just an explosion of products. You know, you got the MarTech landscape, right? You know, which had 400 or so companies on it in 2014 and now it's Thousands and thousands, right? And that doesn't even include the project management software, the consumer software, and all these different things. And so it's getting harder and harder out there because I think that, one, the market has just changed dramatically, and you can't really fight that. Um, The number of competitors that you have um, has actually, I think it's 6x in the past seven years, at least based on the data we pulled. Um, Customer acquisition costs across the board is up about 70% um some channels are doing better than others but you know those customers are more expensive and value of products has actually gone down um, from a willingness to pay perspective because people you know software isn't as magical as it once was you could put a database or a login screen on a database in 2005 and you were a god now it's like it doesn't have good support good design and you know you come wash my car like I'm not going to purchase it right so i think acquisitions gotten hard because of the market but then as marketers and i consider myself a marketer actually at the end of the day We've got we got really lazy. We got really lazy with the things that we were doing because we were just riding these waves. And when we we're just riding those waves, we're not actually doing the work. The market's just doing the work. And, and yes, I know that's a little too simplistic and an overgeneralization, but the the average business in the subscription space spends 57 percent of their budget on sales and marketing, mm-hmm. and it's more it's it's more than obviously product. It's more than operations. It's more than all these other things. But because of what's happened in the market, you're still gonna spend that 57%, but you're not gonna get the returns you were getting in 2012. It's just not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we've evolved as as marketers um, enough. And I think we're starting to get forced to evolve, which I think is good, but you gotta be good at growth and marketing uh, just to survive, just to get a seat at the table. And then you have to be good at retention and monetization in order to actually get hyper growth. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's my little soapbox and hopefully I've offended all of your listeners All of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah it's, it's
0: a little more real pragmatic
1: versus uh versus you know pollyanna idealism
0: no and, and i love it because it makes sense that it is getting harder and harder and even if you do the same things or even if you do new things uh, it's not going to be enough because everybody's doing it right so at the end of the day you have to differentiate yourself 10x to be better than the next one right so um, You have companies like Databox that are doing an amazing thing on on the marketing side of things, and they don't invest so much on sales because their marketing is doing great. But if you think about it, it it all has to do with their product, their customer service, all those little million touches inside the company that are very unified and everything's connected. So I've seen it with with companies that are really doing it right. Um, And some of those things are old school things. It's blogging and SEO. It's not... Nothing, like you said, is not the holy grail of, of marketing. It's the same things, but done right. So what are some other things that companies can do to, to help their acquisition channels?
1: I think that it's tough because the things that come to mind are the fundamentals, which are not the fun things. It's not some new hack, and some new process, and mm-hmm. these types of things. I think it's, it's going back and... One thing that I've been kind of railing against for a few years now has been um, the whole concept of your buyer personas, right? So when those were 10 years ago, when, you know, Graham, Grandma Marketo and Grandpa HubSpot, no, I'm just kidding. We love HubSpot and uh, also Marketo. But anyways, but when, when they first started talking with the buyer persona, which, you know, has been talked about for decades at this point, you know, I think a lot of people looked at it and were like cool I need like an avatar and a cute name and like you know we'll call them startup Steve or you know midterprise uh, Meredith or something. Mm-hmm. The issue is is that that was really good because it acted as a central constitution within a company to understand who they were going after and then a lot of decisions could come from that but the markets changed that the ideal customer profile the buyer persona needs to evolve mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is it's got to be quantified gotta be like what are the unit economics of each buyer um what are the um, you know what are the things they like what are the value props that most resonate with them um what are the value props that don't resonate with them what's their willingness to pay what you know what's the flow that should be and, and you're seeing this like almost segmentation down in terms of your marketing and then we're also getting to hyper personalization of going after those folks on an individual basis within those segments within that persona then within you know your customer base right and so I think that's that's a really really big thing that I think you got to have in your business. It's table stakes at this point. The other thing, a little more tactical, I do think that people don't understand their positioning that well. Um, you know, overgeneralizing, but I think that that's a really big thing. Like, what is the value prop that actually moves people? Um, I think that you know, product-led growth is is kind of this new reinvention of a lot of acquisition, which is kind of like non-sales-assisted acquisition on on another level. Um, And that's a good thing. And then I think another thing, and a lot of people like they scoff at this and even I wrote against this, you know, in the early days of the company, um, freemium. I think freemium is gonna be a really, really important thing. And a lot of people think it's part of pricing and they think it devalues their products. Like probably 10 years ago, that was true, but it's not, it's an acquisition model. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a revenue model. You have to think about freemium as opening the top of the funnel, like a premium ebook. Um, And I think a lot of folks don't realize that as we look at cat going up and the density in a lot of these markets, and it doesn't even matter if you don't have a lot of competitors, it's just density and attention. Mm-hmm. What's going to start to happen is you're going to run into a world where the cheapest thing for you to do is to have either a full featured, but uh, tangential product to your own that attracts the right buyer, or, you know, a freemium version that allows people to get started um, with your product to kind of check it out. So they don't have to necessarily talk to someone. And I think this is the evolution of inbound, um, the evolution of these types of things. It's going from content to actual actual things that people could use.
0: That's awesome. Uh, what do you think about platforms? What's the power of platforms? Because I keep seeing companies that attach to the right platform and they play that right and they create a great partnership that are very successful. They, they become one of the biggest or sometimes the biggest um, you know, drive for their call the whole business. So, have you seen this? Is is choosing the right platform important? Should you be on all the platforms? What have you seen on on your end? Yeah, it's it's
1: interesting because I think that, and we're we're technically a platform uh, company. We're we're not a platform, but we are a company that has grown and relies on platforms because we plug in these billing systems. I think that um, it is extremely difficult. To ride one wave, um, if you're in Shopify, like well, well, it depends on what you want. I think if you want like a fantastic business and you're not trying to be, you know, public company, hundred million dollars, etc., you could ride one wave. Like Shopify, I you know tons of entrepreneurs who have a couple of Shopify apps. They were early, all these other things, and even if they weren't early, they're doing really fantastically well. Um, but it is really hard to build a large business um, on one platform Um, you can start there but everyone kind of branches out because the growth doesn't necessarily come as quick as it needs to on one platform because you're kind of reliant on that platform and then the platform can sometimes kick you off Mm -hmm. or it'll build the thing because it sees how well you're doing so it's going to build the thing internally and if you haven't de-risked things then all of a sudden revenue is going to start to go like that right so i think it's you got to be really careful it's it's kind of the blessing and the curse like it can help you grow really quickly um, because you can attach yourself to their growth but You also have to be really careful. And and I think that that's why you shouldn't necessarily fear them building your thing. You should make yourself like undeniable in terms of your customer. So we like people came out with, oh, Stripe just came out with analytics. And we're like, yeah, but there's like four numbers in there. (laughs) And ours is an entire BI tool, right? And we're not going to stop. They're never going to go as deep as we're going to go unless they decide to you know that this is their core business which it's not right and i think that that's that's the big thing that i think a lot of people don't realize is where where is your where is your thing that's unique um, unless you just want some you know like quick and i say that relative you know quicker money or easier money and building you know something that's relatively easy again not easy but relatively easy on top of a growing platform
0: so so it's becoming the best at what you do so people in that platform will not choose the free you know version of your product that or comes unique. with the platform and make it or make it unique that you have this ai technology or something that actually makes uh, creates the value uh, and real ai because we hear the word ai so much that uh, i think the yeah, other you
1: know, thing is yeah totally like real we need AI.
0: to say real ai now <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah and real machine learning as well not just yeah. math uh, but I think the thing you got to think about too is is it's it's, sometimes you want to find markets and it depends on what you're looking for, but sometimes you want to find markets that are growing, but not growing so fast that they don't attract competition. Now, I don't think you should think about competition in a lot of ways. I think you should think about competition in other ways, but um, one of the interesting things about our business is the subscription space, it actually doesn't have a lot of companies in it. Um, We're talking about hundred, maybe 150,000 total companies. And a lot of those are very, very tiny. Um, And so it's one of those things where it's not like a market, like e-commerce or just general marketing or things like that, where you can sell to, you know, tons and tons of people. And so what was interesting about us is we were a little worried. And then we started doing some calculations and we figured out, I don't know if our market's big enough for a business that is trying to do kind of not an older school, but a different way of growing. to even come into right or even justify enough time and, and maybe they can you know chip away at our own growth if they really wanted to but we're not as big as them so it's just kind of unless they have a vendetta against us it doesn't make sense and we've been able to kind of like stealthily grow um which i think is you know smart even though we didn't like consciously do it <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course of course so uh let's talk a little bit about you know what has been happening lately of course The crisis uh, has changed the game for everybody and things are getting harder. And even though a lot of businesses are seeing huge opportunities and huge growth, uh, it's still getting harder for a a lot of people and companies out there. So what have you seen out there? What's changing? What are some of the trends that you've seen in the last months uh, that, that might change the business forever?
1: Yeah, so I think what's been really so when this all happened, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'll, I'll, I'll mention it again. So um, when this all happened, you had, you know, we had all these like really smart people that you and I look up to and learn from, and you know, half that group was like, it's the end of the world, and the other half of the group was, everything's gonna be fine, right? And <laughs> so whenever that happens, it's not that you learn that no one knows anything, right? Like everyone is just kind of you know using it's a brand new phenomenon that that we haven't. which is, you know, the understatement of the the decade, at Mm -hmm. least of the year. And so I think that what was really interesting is we put together, because we're sitting on so much data, we put together this index where we could actually aggregate all the growth and new revenue and churn revenue data um, of our users. And again, aggregate, we don't look at anyone's individual data. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, large numbers we can study. And we could start to see, like, what was going on in the growth of the subscription? Like, was COVID actually affecting it? Mm-hmm. And what we found out is that overall in subscriptions, it, it, it was exactly how you'd think. Anyone who had to do with going outside, a SaaS company serving restaurants, um, a gym, unfortunately, um, you know, these types of companies, they obviously got hit and they got hit pretty hard. And then some of them kind of retooled their business and have recovered. Um, but any, everyone else, like, if you're a subscription commerce company, it exploded, everything went nuts. It was like, Hey, I can't go get my toilet paper from whole foods. I'm going to subscribe to who gives a crap, which is an actual company. Um, that's one of my favorite names. I try to mention I love it. it. I got it to it out as much as possible. Cause the name is great. Um, and then B2B basically went flat because, uh, everyone looked and evaluated all of their tools they were using and got rid of the ones they probably should have got rid of six months before that. And then. New revenue actually went up. It was a really, really weird phenomenon because we were flat as a market for, for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden went right back to like up into the right predictable growth. So I think lessons from this, um, the one lesson we found out was that retention, not to you know, beat this drum again, but retention in B2B, that a lot of it suffered uh, because people, you know, had not had the fundamentals implemented. And then in subscription e-commerce. All of this massive growth that happened all of a sudden has been tapering off a bit. Um, not much; it's still netting higher, but because you know the churn, no one, no one really addressed their churn problem. So they're getting all these really great customers that after a month or two are just leaving right away. So I think that it's it's one of those things in terms of long-lasting effects. I think that we have all had to either flail and not do anything, which I think was the wrong answer, or a lot of us doubled down on the community, the content um, and the things that are the fundamentals within our business because we realized, hey, this is a great opportunity because all top line revenue ex- uh, revenue expectations went out the window and now we have an opportunity to kind of, you know, march against those. So yeah, I think that's that's kind of how I look at it. I think that it's it's one of those things where it didn't affect us that much. I think it's gonna end up affecting us. Probably there's there's, there's been no downturn in the economic um, history that hasn't had after effects or aftershocks. So we're probably gonna get a little bit of blips and thankfully those aftershocks are typically not as big as the initial shock, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next uh, the next few months.
0: And that's why it's important to double down on the basics, on the most important things, on support, on experience, on surveys, on being human, right? Because those things will continue to be things that will help us all as business and as human beings. How about we become a little bit more human on everything we do, uh, it's it can only get better, right? Yeah,
1: it can only get better. I think, well, famous last words, right? <laughs> no, but uh, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely something that, that, you know, the founder in me is super, super optimistic, right? Cause that's, you gotta, no matter what happens, we're going, it's gonna be awesome. The the CEO in me is kind of like, all right, cautious, cautious, you know, that type of thing.
0: Of course, you have to do both. I I, I agree with you. I, I feel exactly the same way. It's so funny that you said that because I'm excited and things are moving and we're hiring, right? And we're selling a lot and it's all super exciting. But then it's like, you want to spend $50 on what? Right? So (laughs) on the back of my mind. (laughs) That just hit me. That was
1: just so real. I feel seen,
0: <laughs> as the kids right? say. Right, it's like, I yeah. would have said a thousand, I, I, was, I was like, like yeah. yeah, of course, a thousand bucks, yeah. go for it. Now it's like, hold on, 50 bucks uh, one time or many times? Like, how, what is how this mean, like and, and why,
1: why do we need this? Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. find
0: this, right? like really. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, 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 it's doing both. It's still being super excited about the opportunities uh, that come from every crisis but also very cautious that we're still going through a crisis and uh, and yes, we are hiring, but we can't come up with a whole new, uh, you know, sushi for everybody every day like we used to, uh, you know, think it before uh, this whole thing happened, so. I think it's good
1: perspective though, too. I think it's helped, I mean, this is another very obvious thing, but I think at least for, for us and I'm sure a lot of people like, We're like, oh, these things aren't important, or oh, like that was nice to have, but not really that crucial. And I think that, you know, we we got it better than a lot of people, um, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately. But, uh, well, I guess it's fortunate, but you know what I mean,
0: so. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Hey, Patrick, this has been amazing. Thank you. This is is pure gold. You've shared so much information. Anything else you want to share with the audience today?
1: Nothing in particular. I mean, if you have, uh, if you're looking for benchmarks in the subscription space, any questions on pricing, retention, these types of things, feel free to hit me up at patrick at um, I get back to everybody. It might take me a second to to get back to you, but I will get back to you. Uh, and if you have a question on those things, we have probably written something on it or have a video on it. So I'm more than happy to share. And you know, stay safe out there. Be well.
0: Awesome. Thanks again for being here today with us. And uh, this was really fun, Patrick. Thank you very much for everything. And stay safe. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. I see y'all.
1: This episode of MarTech Masters was produced and edited by Next to Me Marketing.
0: To watch the series, visit our website at nexttomemarketing.com. Subscribe to our channel to keep up to date with the latest news from our friends and MarTech Masters.